Well, good day, good day again. Arctic Eric here with you on Fika with Arctic Eric. Welcome to the kitchen table. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I'm just imagining you're right here with me at the kitchen table and just going to take a little bit of your time to share something that I hope will encourage you and possibly instruct you in some interesting things when it comes to this life following Jesus by His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also referred to as the Spirit of Grace, and God knows we need grace. I like to say it this way, amazing grace. I'm still in the race. I was so encouraged early this morning, I wake up uh, quite early actually, probably unusually early for most people, but nonetheless I awoke and I found a message from someone that was so encouraging. The Holy Spirit had impressed them the night before to send me an encouraging word, which they did, and of course from it uh, I was comforted and encouraged and just thankful that this person had yielded to the Holy Spirit and obeyed that impulse and taken the moment to write. Just tremendous. And it brings back an idea that I've taught about over the years. Back uh, in the 60s, using an illustration, I was working on a ranch as a cowboy, and at one of the cow camps we had an old well, and next to the well there was always a, a rusty tin container that had water in it, so that when you were ready to use the pump, had it been a little bit of time and the gaskets had gotten a little bit dry, that you would prime the pump by pouring water into the top of the pump, and sure enough, before long, you'd have water. And I want to talk today about that well of water that's in you and in me as believers. The moment we believe the person of the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, and he's referred to as a river of water, a river of life that wants to flow through us. And to use an illustration of the pump, I want to, to talk about something that will prime the pump, if you will. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 13 and 14, and we know that the chapter numbers and the verse numbers were not in the original text. They all ran together. There was no punctuation, but the chapters and the verses and the punctuation are there to help us, and uh, it certainly is helpful. But I want to lift out some things out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the last verse, and then the first and third verse from chapter 14, and think about them in a greater context, if you will, so that we don't separate them out. And this verse 13 in 1 Corinthians 13 is so well known. I'm looking right now at the Amplified Translation where it tells us uh, faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these three is love. I'll tell you, it's marvelous. The greatest of these three is love. However, when I say that, I think about homes I go into where they have braided on the wall the saying that, greatest of all is love. But that isn't what this verse says. It says the greatest of these, the greatest of these three is love. For God so loved the world, God is love. Therefore, the greatest of these is love. But if you just hang in there with me a minute, I want to read the next verse that says, pursue this love, eagerly desire and seek to acquire this love, make it your goal, and yet all the more 
earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts, the spiritual endowments, especially that you might prophesy. So we pursue love. Actually, love pursues us. God is in us by his spirit. Same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in us. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So God's love, the greatest of the three, is in us. But God's love is always more. It's active. It's alive. And it wants to express itself. So there is something, if you will follow me, that is, quote, greater than the love in us and the love for us. It's the love that flows through us out to others. God so loved the world in mercy, filled with grace, and he did something about the situation we were in, the sinful, fallen nature that we had. And he sent his son to the cross to die for us, and he raised him from the dead. And now that same Christ lives in us by his Spirit. And that love that caused God to send Christ is in us so that through us, God can speak. So we're going to pursue that love, which is God, more of you, thank you very much, but even more that we might be used to prophesy. And if we look at verse 3, it says, the one who prophesies, that's you and me, this is New Testament prophecy, it's for every believer. The one who prophesies speaks to people. We speak. We open our mouths and we speak for edification, for encouragement, and for comfort. All of us, from time to time, need one or more of those things being spoken into our lives. As this morning when I woke up, I wasn't on top, but I read that encouraging word, as the Holy Spirit had prompted this person to write it, and I was encouraged. We need to be edified, comforted, and encouraged. Now, a lot of times when I share this, people say, well, yeah, but I'm not really sure whether it's my thoughts. I, I was thinking about calling someone and saying something, or I ran into them, and I, I felt like maybe I should say something, but maybe it was the enemy. Well, the enemy only wants to kick you in the head. The enemy never wants to comfort, encourage, or exhort anyone. So please take that off your short list. It isn't the enemy. When those thoughts and impulses come to call, to encourage, to comfort, to exhort, to speak a word of life to someone, it's not the enemy. And then some will say, well, yeah, it's just me. I'm so lovely, I'm so wonderful, I'm so tender, I'm so generous, I'm so kind, I'm always thinking. No, you're not always thinking about other people. Most of us think about ourselves first, so let's get ourselves out of the equation. When God brings someone to mind, and you have this feeling, this thought, this desire, this longing, this urging, this anointing, this unction, to call them or speak to them a word of comfort, exhortation, encouragement, well, if it's not the enemy, and it's not you, then it's God. It's the Spirit of God in you wanting you to speak life to someone. And I think about all the times that I call someone, and I'm always a little bit nervous, of course. Sometimes, as the phone is ringing, I'm, I'm almost thinking, don't answer, don't answer, don't answer. 
And that brings up another thought. Sometimes people say, but I don't know what to say when I call. And then I say this, well, you haven't called yet. God doesn't need to tell you specifically what you're going to say until they answer. And if you don't have something specific to say, it's never wrong to tell someone, hey, I'm thinking about you. I just want you to know that God is is putting you on my heart. How are you? And you'll be amazed. God may come with a flow of other things he wants to communicate, to encourage, to comfort, to exhort. Or that person may reciprocate with something that's going on in their life and you're able to talk about it and pray for them. But until we pick up the phone or open our mouth in a conversation, be it on the phone or in person, we're not going to be ready to speak, for God to speak. Now, why would I refer to this also as priming the pump, if you will? Because we read in 1 Corinthians 12 and in 1 Corinthians 14 about many gifts that the Holy Spirit determines who, what, where, and when. But if we're not faithful in these, what we might think are little things, what I call New Testament prophecy, to allow God to speak through us, to comfort, exhort, and encourage people, then it may be difficult to move in other gifts of the Spirit. God can do what he wants, but I'm simply saying this gift that I call the gift of New Testament prophecy for every believer is a way into hearing his voice in greater depth, learning to obey him immediately, and seeing him flow through you to encourage and work and comfort and exhort other people. Remember, it's not you. It's not the enemy. It's the God of heaven and earth, the creator of heaven and earth, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, by his Spirit living in you, that wants you to become a vessel of comfort, encouragement, and exhortation into other people's lives. It's a wonderful first step. All of us get those impressions. But how many of us act upon them? Or how many of us instead were hindered by the thought that it's the enemy? Or we say, well, I I don't want to look foolish. Look, we do enough to look foolish. Let's get past all of that. And as I said, it isn't just you. And it isn't just me. It is God in us. He's closer to us than any friend, and he lives in us. So I want to encourage you today. Open up your Bible and read these verses. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, 14, 1, and 14, 3. And you will see that the greatest of these three is love. There's more. There's always more with God. There's his love, his agape, that's not only for us and in us, but to flow through us as we speak forth life by the Spirit to encourage, comfort, and exhort those around us. So the next time you're at the kitchen table and you feel that that leading, be bold. Speak out. Pick up your phone. Dial. I know all kinds of thoughts come when you're looking for the the name and then just before you hit the dial, but go beyond that. There's excitement on the other side of following those impressions from God. Gosh, it's been good to spend time with you today. I do hope you're having a good day, and if you're not, I hope you'll run into someone who's willing to encourage, comfort, and exhort you. And you need to be the one 
that encourages, comforts, and exhorts someone. Welcome back to the kitchen table. I do say wholeheartedly, God bless you today. Good day.